Chapter Twenty of the Boy Scouts in the Blue Ridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sargent Gagan. The Boy Scouts in the Blue Ridge by Herbert Carter. Chapter Twenty: The Awakening of Stephen. Say, fellers, did anybody see that? Stephen had just managed to get that far in what he was about to say, when he was rudely interrupted by a combined shout from Giraffe, Davy Jones, and Bumpus. "'Don't you dare accuse us of taking any of your stuff, Stephen,' said the last-named scout severely. "'We're sure getting awful tired of that war cry,' declared Giraffe. "'It's always this thing or that he's lost, and never by his own fault at all.' A sly little jinx is hovering around, ready to grab up a thing just as soon as Stephen lays it down. Still, I notice that every single time it turned out to be put there by himself. Get a new tune for a change, Stephen, and ring it on us. By the way, remarked Smitty, who was very polite and never joined in loud and boisterous jeers that greeted some break on the part of a comrade, what fresh misfortune has overtaken you now, Stephen? oh replied the other with a broad grin when our funny friends broke in on me that way i was only going to ask if any of you wide-awake scouts had noticed that my badge turned right side up early this morning there was general laughter at this even the three culprits joined in among all boy scouts it became proper wrinkle to turn the badge upside down to start the day and the wearer has no right to change its position until he has done an actual good deed toward someone else, or even helped an animal that was in distress. Many are the expedient resort to in order to gain his privilege, for it is deemed in bad taste to spend the entire day with the badge reversed on the lapel of the coat. A thousand ways can be found whereby the boy may feel that he has done the right to alter the position of his badge and proved that he had done something of a kindly nature that is a credit to his character. An old woman may be helped across the street, a heavy basket carried for a child, a box that is trying the strength of a single man, may be easier to lift into a wagon by a pair of sturdy, willing arms. The harness that is galling the shoulder of a horse can be rendered less troublesome if a rag is doubled up and fastened to the leather well. The list of things that wide-awake scouts find in order to gain this privilege would really seem to be without end. So all the others now turned towards Stephen, with curiosity expressed on their face. They seemed to guess that it could be no ordinary explanation that he meant to give them. What wonderful stunt did you manage to carry through so early in the day, down in this forsaken country, demanded Giraffe. Bumpus looked forlornly at his own badge that still hung to his coat lapel in reverse position, showing that he, at least, had not been able to discover any means of doing a good turn to some object, however humble. In fact, he had, like most of the other boys, entirely forgotten about the unusual program. There was no old ladies to help down here, no errands to run for mother, no problems to solve for little brother nothing but the everlasting mountains rising grimly all about them and silence lying on the scene like a great blanket i reckon i'm the only one in the bunch that's been smart enough to get his badge today chuckled stephen 
proudly exhibiting the article in question. And I'd just like the fun of hearing all of you try and guess how I manage it. But then, I know you never hit on the truth in a thousand years, so I guess I suppose I'll have to tell you myself. Oh, wake me up, somebody, when he gets really started, groaned Giraffe. Of all the slowpokes, Stefan takes the cake. I'll tell you, began the other, with a sly look toward the speaker, as though he purposely delayed his disclosure in order to annoy the impatient Giraffe. You see, it was this way, fellows. I happened to be walking on the back road just after we'd done breakfast. Thought I'd drop my handkerchief somewhere, but afterwards I found it inside my hat, you know. Sure, it's always that way, muttered Giraffe lay with his eyes closed by drinking all the words that were said. Well, continued Stephen, all at once I noticed something that interested me a whole lot. There was one of those queer little tumble bugs you always see us shoving the round balls along the road and going somewhere that nobody ever yet found out. This critter was trying like all possessed to push his ball up the steep little place in the road. Sometimes he'd get close to the top and then lose his grip when it'll roll all the way back again. Say, boys, that insect's pluck interests me a heap. Now I'm telling you, right, there I got one of the best lessons a scout ever picked up in all his life, which was the old story. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And he kept on trying again and again. I must stay there all half an hour, just watching that game little critter pushing his ball up against the hardest luck ever. And then, when I just couldn't stand it any longer, I took the bug and ball in my hand and put them both on top of that rise. And after that, I thought I had a right to turn my badge right side up. The scouts looked at each other. Somehow they did not laugh, though surely it must have been one of those queerest reasons ever advanced by a fellow scout as an excuse for wearing his badge honorably. Despite its grotesque nature, there was also something rather pathetic about the thought of Stephen, only a careless, half-grown lad at best, spending a whole lot of time simply watching a humble but game little beetle trying to fight against hard luck and almost as interested in the outcome as the wretched bug itself. How about that, Mr. Scoutmaster? Is Stephen entitled to wear his badge that way on account of helping that silly little bug climb his mountain? asked Davy, turning to Thad. But, though his words might seem to indicate a touch of scorn, there was certainly nothing of the sort in his manner. Thad himself had been amused and deeply interested in Stephen's recital. Only too well did he know what a careless and indifferent fellow the boy had ordinarily been classed, both at school and at home. Seldom, if ever, he paid least attention to things that were happening all around him, and which might appear to the sympathy of the boys who were made of finer grain than Stephen. And now it seemed that something had been making an insidious change inside the scout, where he could feel such intense interest in such a trivial thing as the pluck of an obscure tumblebug. Time was when Stephen would have cared little whether or not he came down with his heel upon such an object, which ought to know better than to get in his path. It was different now, since Stephen had joined the scouts. His eyes had been opened to many things, the existence of which he never dreamed in those other days, and he could never again be the same indifferent fellow. He must go on on advancing along the trail that led him to a better knowledge of nature's great secrets. 
and above all else the capacity that lay within his heart for understanding these myriads of small but wonderful things i'm not going to answer that question myself davy said thad with a smile fact is i much rather have the candid opinion of every scout on the subject so i'm going to put it to a vote here and now and i want you to be serious about it small matters though it may seem for upon such things rests the very foundation of the whole boy scout movement observing understanding appreciating q muttered giraffe all this fuss about one little tumblebug those who really and truly think stephen had full right to turn his badge right side up for the interest he took in the game little creature's struggles to overcome what seemed unsurmountable difficulties and for lending a helping hand in the end raised the right hand and thad put up his for a starter not counting stephen himself there were just seven fellows present when thad asked them to show their colors and including the scoutmaster himself just seven instantly raised their hand thad laughed softly it gave him more pleasure than he could tell to see that the boys understood the motive that had swayed their comrade and doubtless this vote of confidence would urge stephen to go along the path he had discovered with ever-increasing confidence as its charms continued to be revealed in ever-increasing proportions day by day a new world would soon open upon his inquiring eyes he would find ten thousand things of tremendous interest all around him to which he had put up to now being as blind as a bat never again would he feel alone even though no comrade were at his side for he could now discover innumerable objects about him at any time and calculate to chain his attention seems to be unanimous fellows remarked thad and i hereby publicly commend you comrade stephen for this action of this morning yes he did have a right to turn his badge it was not so much what he did as the feeling he showed in first of all stopping to watch the bug second getting tremendous interest in its never give up spirit third in applying the principle to himself and last but not least his desire to lend a helping hand for stephen boys this has been a day that some time later in his life he will mark with a white stone for he has begun to notice things and with a fever on him he'll have to keep on noticing until he thinks it's not the same old world at all but one filled at every turn with splendid discoveries i know because i've been through the same thing myself hurrah said giraffe who had been considerably impressed by what the scoutmaster said what did i tell you fellows about not missing dr philander hobbs our regular scoutmaster on this hike do you think now he could have said all that one half as good as thad did i guess not and stephen i'm ashamed to say that the whole blessed day has gone by without my ever thinking to do something good for another feller so i could turn my badge over there she rests and i give you all the fair notice that tomorrow i'm going to start in right away to get it moving plenty of time tonight yet giraffe piped davy I happen to know a fellow who thinks a certain knife you own would look mighty fine in his pocket if only you take the trade he offers now if you made him happy perhaps you'd have the right to turn your badge and be uh, making a killing of two birds with one stone better think it over giraffe the tall boy looked at davy with a frown and shook his head ain't fair to put it up to me that way davy he declared ultimately you know i don't want a trade 
the least bit. Now, if you'd say that on the whole you concluded to quit bothering me, that would be a good deed, and I reckon you'd have the right to turn your badge around. At this ingenuous return, Thrust Davy subsided with a grin, and a general laugh arose from the other scouts. But if most of the boys were merry, there was one who looked sober enough. Of course, this was Bob Quail. He knew what a tremendous undertaking he had before him, and the result seemed so uncertain that it was only natural he should feel the heavy weight resting upon his young shoulders. First of all, he must meet his cousin Bertha, and learn what success had followed her efforts to discover whether the paper she had seen by accident in her guardian's safe was the missing document, which Bob believed Reuben had abstracted, placing another in its place. Then later on he had that appointment with Polly, the moonshiner's daughter, who was to bring him news concerning the mysterious prisoner. Yes, Bob certainly had quite enough on his young mind to make him anything but jovial. Still, he had been more or less interested in what was going on around him, for he was, after all, a boy. They were eating supper as they chatted in this way. Night settled down on the scene. It promised to be a pretty dark night at that, Thad realized, as he looked around and then up at the heavens where a few stars held forth but gave little light. It was fortunate that Bob happened to be so well acquainted around that vicinity, otherwise he would never have been able to cross the other side of the strange little basin, which they call a valley, without carrying a lantern, and this in itself must be out of the question, since the light would betray him. While they were eating, they heard a gunshot not far away. "'Wow, what do you think that means?' exclaimed Giraffe, jumping to his feet and looking off in the gloom toward the back trail. "'Seemed to me it came from down that away, huh, boys?' "'Sure did,' announced Davy Jones positively. "'And it was a gun in the bargain with a big load.' "'Do you suppose they found the shoot in the dark?' demanded Stephen. "'Oh, lots of things,' replied Allen. "'If a bobcat jumped in on us right now, we'd think of using our gun, wouldn't we? "'But it might be that shot was some sort of signal, after all. "'Well, there wasn't any answer, that's sure,' imposed Bumpus. "'But seems to me I can hear somebody talking pretty loud that way,' observed the listening Thad." I did too, declared Smithy, but it's died away now, as though the excitement might be over. I wonder what it was, fellows. Oh, chances are we'll never know, returned Giraffe, settling back down once to continue eating, for he was not done yet. A lot of queer things are happening around here. They'll never know, remarked Stephen, seriously. Thad looked at him curiously. This was a strange remark to come from the happy-go-lucky Stephen. It looked as though his one little experience of that morning had indeed done wonders toward causing the careless lad to turn over a new leaf. He was beginning to think and see what a great big world this is, after all. His horizon had been moved back hugely since his first yawned and stretched that same morning, and the queer part of it was that no one thought to joke the boy about his altered disposition. They seemed to understand that it was no joking matter. Doubtless, Stephen reformation would not be accomplished in a day, nor a week, nor even a month. But he had taken the first steps, and now, from now on, began to arouse himself to make good use of the faculties with which a kindly nature had endowed him with. Listen, exclaimed Thad a little while later, just as they were about done supper. I hear somebody talking, too, declared Davy Jones, while Allen showed by his manner that the sounds had surely come to his acute hearing trained by long service in the piney woods of his native state. 
They're coming this way, too. I can hear them pushing through the bushes and stumbling along, Bumpus declared, in an awed tone, looking a trifle worried and wishing Thad would only snatch up that gun lying against the tree trunk, which the others did not seem at all anxious to do. The voices drew steadily nearer as the boys stood and listened. There's a fire in eight. We gotta get him there for sure. I tell you, he'll never be able to walk across the valley to Doc's cabin. He'll bleed to death long before we gets there with him. Steady now, Cliff. Here's the light, and we're gonna see how bad you're hurt. Then, while the scouts stood and stared in amazement, a group of three men staggered into view, two of them assisting a third, whose faltering step showed that he must have been injured even if the arm that dangled helplessly at his side had not been told the tale of a serious gunshot wound. No wonder the Boy Scouts felt a thrill, as they watched these rough mountaineers enter their camp in this strange way. End of chapter 20 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan